This episode of the Adventist Millennial Podcast is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. What's the and more? Well, you'll have to go to their website to find out. Thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you like the brand new fancy moneymaker at the beginning of this episode. Now that I'm bringing in the big bucks, uh, you can expect, well, par for the course. <laughs> Just kidding, this is going to continue increasing in quality and consumability, and it will be more and more addictive with every episode that comes out, and you'll never, ever, ever turn it off. Okay, so today, what are we going to talk about? Well, we are going to talk about being silenced. So, don't be silenced. Um, and how to not to be silenced, and then we are going to talk about why your devotions suck, or at least what you've probably been told about how to do devotions, why that sucks. Um, okay, so let's, as PewDiePie would say, let's keep jumping into it. Today, I want to talk about the really genuine nice kind people who are being super beastly dang it they're practically straight out of revelation now all of you are gasping and clutching your pearls because you just realized that yes i am talking about most adventists that you know i mean look we've all had fun taking shots at the pro-compliance document crowd of course i haven't been that person (coughs) episode eight i would never do something like that um but whether it's facetiously or genuinely, a lot of us are saying that the GC is acting with beast tactics to enforce behavior from a central top-down authority, which is exactly what we condemn the Catholic Church for doing. But I want to talk about something that happens on a much smaller scale, but is essentially a very similar thing. Um, I think this, what I'm about to talk about, preps people to be able to live with the cognitive dissonance that should theoretically be created but somehow isn't by simultaneously believing that a the catholic church is exercising beast power but also b the gc is just trying to do what's best for the family of the church nothing bad move along nothing to see here it's simply what we all believe god wants us to do um if you saw the Unity video that has been making the rounds, um, there is no doubt in my mind that the people who made the Unity video believed what they were saying, even if it made most of us cringe our pants off. Uh, you guys probably saw it, right? If you didn't, here's the TLDW. That stands for too long, didn't watch. Basically, it's the really predictable trope that they use for those PSAs, you know, a whole bunch of people standing in front of a white background reading the same script, and then they cut them all together. Together. Cutting them. Together. Um, (laughs) This kind of video has been around for quite a while, and at this point, it's so cliche that it's really only used self-referentially to mock things, (laughs) or by very unself-aware people (laughs) who don't realize that it's a tired form of being very sincere and look at there are a lot of people who agree um like i feel like the only good use for the white background while everyone reads a script format is the at this point the only good use for it is snl really to do a sketch about how it's time time it's time 
to stop playing, to stop playing Fortnite, Fortnite. <laughs> but I'm not here to rip on the format of a PSA. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's actually, I would say, a very adept um, and clever video, but only if you look at it as satire instead of cringy people trying to lovingly emotionally pull your heartstrings and gently ram a broomstick up your butt. <laughs> the broomstick of compliance. Here it goes. It'll only hurt a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, that was a huge digression. What I really want to talk about is the very misguided idea of censoring people that's similar to the dark cloud that we're dealing with on the compliance front. Um, but these are like micro dark clouds that happen daily in our own life during interpersonal interactions. I think you've probably experienced what I'm talking about if you've been in the Adventist church for more than, oh, a collective hot second. Um, the thing I'm referring to is that we're charged to be so careful and so sensitive to either offending God or offending each other we have to be so super careful and that ultimately we become very, very censorious of each other all the time. Um, you, if you haven't noticed this, then you're really enjoying that broomstick really feels good. Um, <laughs> so, for example, a lot of the common warnings I've heard from people are things like, is it really necessary to say or do such and such a thing? Is it really a Christian thing to say? Wouldn't it be better if you were just a little more respectful? This comes up a lot when I crack jokes about people or sacred things like the scriptures. Um, the whole, just, could you just tone it down shtick is a very familiar tune in my life. A lot of the things that I say um, have received the attitude of, you know, just, could you just take it down a notch? Which, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that everything is a good idea or kind to say, but I am saying that this, this logic is so frequently applied where it should not be applied, brother and sister. You don't need to tell me to settle down and not make a joke about the pastor because that's disrespectful because, lady, I'ma do it. You know who you are. <laughs> if you're listening, the, who, the person that told me that probably is not listening to this. If you are, holla at me. Um, another good one that I've heard many times in my life is, you know, even if it's fine and okay and you don't feel convicted that it's a wrong thing to do necessarily, it's probably better to err on the side of caution. Like, it's probably better if you don't do it or say it just because it might be a stumbling block to someone else. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I've been told not to do or say something because of my stumbling block. Even with my content here for Adventist Millennial, I've heard that caution. Like, I'll pitch an idea and someone will say, I can see why you would want to do that and I understand the point that you're trying to make, but it's very edgy and people might not understand what you're trying to say. Um, so you don't want to be a stumbling block. Well, how about this? You censoring me is a stumbling block to me. How about that? Um, 
I say that jokingly, but actually I do kind of mean it. A lot of the ways people act when they're just warning me because they care um, are off-putting to me and have literally made me question whether I want to leave the church. Is this not a stumbling block? Like, you could say it's just my immaturity, but I'm trying to make the case here that it's actually just as big, if not more, of a stumbling block than whatever they're trying to tell me not to do. Um, like, it's inexplicable to the church, however you define it. These are the people that I'm talking about. Um, it's inexplicable to them, to them how so many people are leaving, but for some reason they can't seem to apply their own weird backwards logic to the actual situation. <laughs> the tight, tight restrictions on actions and words, etc., are a stumbling block to people. Um, when people have said these things to me about being a stumbling block, they've been completely sincere about it and really trying to do the right thing because they are actually afraid of offending some mystery person or god even. Now, these are the same people who use cute phrases that we all love, like this one I'm sure you've heard. Someone could be completely sincere, but sincerely wrong. <laughs> have, you, have you heard this phrase before? Yes. But usually it's used in the context of, like, sincerely worshiping God on Sunday. Wrong! Um, they don't bother to check and see if that might apply in any realm in which they dabble. Like, for example, silencing others in fear of God or other people's judgment. Seriously, that's what it really is. It's censorship on God's behalf because he might, just might, be offended by us. The whole idea of holding, holding ourselves back just in case something is wrong and we just don't realize that it's wrong even though maybe probably it's fine. Um, this whole idea is completely works-based. Adventists like to announce from the rooftops to everyone that we believe in salvation by faith and no, we didn't banish Ellen White to Australia over salvation by faith and versus works. Um, and no, God keeps no record of wrongs, but also he kind of keeps records of wrongs. Uh, which is why you should be happy that I'm censoring you, because I'm keeping you from doing the wrong thing, the dangerous thing. I'm doing you a favor. This attitude is rampant. Rampant, I tell you. It's an on-ramp to beastly power. See what I did there? Um, it's setting yourself up to be happy bending over to the GC in the name of family and unity. This is the abusive reasoning of someone that says, I hate to beat my wife, but I'm just doing it for the good of the family. Uh, part of how you grow and learn is by seeing where lines are, and if they are one, even crossable, and two, exactly where we might be crossing them. You can't explore new ideas or gain a deeper understanding of things if you just stop your ears at anything that might possibly be perceived as controversial or dangerous. Um, I know I've talked about this a bunch of times in this podcast, I don't want to just harp on it, but what I'm saying is that what the people who invoke not being a stumbling block are actually doing is coercing other people into conforming to some standard that they've created in their minds. But I'm telling you, do not be silenced. Also, don't be an a-hole. 
take it from me, I know a lot about that. <laughs> but don't give in just because someone really genuinely tells you in concern that what you're doing and saying is going to cause some kind of harm. Because just because they're sincere about it doesn't make it true. If it actually is harmful, fine, then don't do it. But make that decision on your own. I can't tell you how many times, because I do in fact have a heart and I don't want to terrorize people, contrary to popular belief, um, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've conceded and quote-unquote followed the rules or conformed or whatever for other people's sake. Stop. Don't do it anymore. If you make a mistake, you make a mistake, but at least you're still an individual and if you're constantly assessing what you're doing to see if you're doing it genuinely out of the proper motives then don't let anyone else tell you if it's the right thing or the wrong thing to do i'm convinced that this is literally a tactic of satan the idea that questions are dangerous that entertaining outlandish ideas or simply acting for fun is very bad and scary um, this is how you get in a space that lets you believe the GC is acting on behalf of church constituents or even God. Now, I know that my generation, especially Americans of my generation, have tend to have a, an over-casual attitude about things. Like, we want to dress casual, act casual, talk casual, um, and previous generations gasp at how little reverence we have. And sure, maybe there's something nice about letting a few things remain sacred. Don't ask me what those things are because I got no idea. Um, but using sanctity, kindness, and maturity as a bludgeon to force people or guilt people to accept an imposed standard of behavior um, is not at all how I've seen God depicted. If you're not doing something or not saying something because you're afraid of what might happen, um, that's the wrong reason. But it fits in line with what most people think about God, that there is a reason to fear. If anybody ever tries to censor you or silence you, just tell them, thanks for the advice, but take your broomstick and turn it on your own. <laughs> no, no, please. <laughs> Shout out. Troy Barnes. <laughs> what I'm gonna say is gonna sound like really callous and insensitive, but this is really true. Um, you know how Christianity has so stigmatized, like, homosexuality that gay people grow up thinking, like, am I, is, like, what I am just a wrong thing? Just a bad, like, sinful thing? Um, and I can't even help it. <laughs> well, that's how I felt many times about the way that I approach life. <laughs> like, cracking jokes about literally everything including serious things um taking the contrarian angle on things like my whole attitude of deconstructing things picking things apart challenging everything um has had a similar uh reaction of like th that's never a correct attitude to take which you know, that's not as widely stigmatized, obviously, as, like, homosexuality or something, but it's, I feel like it's a similar sort of thing where I've seriously had to struggle throughout my life coming to terms with whether everything that I'm inclined to do and think and say is just flat out 
basically disapproved by God. Um, so at this point, I, I've come to realize that the reaction to it is driven by fear, fear of a, of a tyrannical, dictatorial God, something that I've been trying to deconstruct since the first episode of this podcast. And, and if people can't see the value in what I'm trying to bring or what you're trying to bring or anyone else is trying to bring, that does not give them license to shut it down. Um, it could be valuable in some way that they have no conception of. Uh, so don't be silenced. Say what you want to say. Ask the questions you want to ask. Crack the jokes you want to crack. <laughs> like this whole thing of like, do we really have to come to name calling of church leaders over the compliance committee? Well, I'm sorry. If you're a public figure and I want to make fun of you, I'm going to make fun of you. That doesn't make me a bad person if you're doing something dumb that deserves to be made fun of. Okay, that's the end of my rant. Now we're moving on. Um, so now that we've talked about that, I am going to tell you why your devotions suck. Okay, maybe they don't suck because you probably don't even do them. Ha! Gotcha! <laughs> um, but actually, this is something that I have been thinking about recently because... In my various escapades through the different sects of Adventism, I have consistently been told a certain thing about devotions. And that is, um, everyone's always told me, when you're doing your devotions, go verse by verse. Just read a couple of verses even if you have to. Meditate on them. Exegete them. Know exactly what it's saying. Pull out every bit of truth that you can get. Really focus in on one or two verses till you completely understand. Meditate on those verses until you know exactly what they're saying. Lame, 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 lame. Okay, do not do that. That's what I'm telling you. Everyone has told me to do that, but I'm telling you don't do that. First of all, this is how you get into divining meaning because it's the inspired word of God without really understanding. Um, in literary criticism, which I dabbled in for four years in college, you don't start writing a paper on the meaning of a book unless you've actually read the book or unless you're super lazy and under a tight deadline, but that's a completely different situation. <laughs> um, you have to read the whole book to get the full understanding of it, and then if you have the time and the inclination to go back and parse every little piece of it, be my guest by all means. But in my mind, that's the kind of stuff that theologians and people who research biblical stuff, that's the kind of stuff they're supposed to be doing. You can't understand the whole of something by focusing on the minutia of it. You can't understand what the Bible is trying to convey if you only read tiny bits and pieces of it at a time without looking at the whole picture. I feel like that's like Winston putting together a puzzle in New Girl. Winston, do we do we think now is really the right time to be starting a, a puzzle? <laughs> yeah, I'm great at puzzles. <laughs> You're a born puzzler, Winston. Sure. Um, but... Don't you agree that sometimes when you start puzzles, you get a little bit weird and, I don't know, intense? Spend a lot of time humming. Also spend a lot of time naked. I'm gonna do you puzzle. Right on the table. As nasty as you wanna be. Hey, Smith, what do you think it's gonna look like? What do I think it's going to look like? Yeah, the puzzle. Winston, it's on the box. The, the picture's on the box. It's a Japanese garden. Schmidt, calm down. What is your problem? <laughs> like, the picture's on the box, guys. <laughs> God is trying to tell us, he's trying to say, guys, I'm a Japanese garden, 
and you're over here parsing Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 2 for three weeks, and I have something I want you to see about who I am, but you're not looking at the box. It's like if I studied dog hair under a microscope to see how I should draw a dog. Like, it doesn't work. It's not helpful to do that first. If I wanted to learn how to draw a dog and I sketched a dog and I was good at it and fine and then I wanted to take a look and see what his fur looked like, sure, maybe that's useful. But for me to start out from looking at the dog hair doesn't help me understand what the shape of a dog is. It's dumb. Um, just to agonize over each and every verse until you think you've scraped every last bit of meaning out of it is a very good way to get a myopic view, a skewed view, of something that is overemphasizing one or another thing and completely missing something else. So my suggestion to you is read a passage, read a chapter, read a couple of chapters, read through the whole Bible. Just get through it. People say, oh, you should do exegesis as you go because then you just have to, it's not a huge commitment. You could just read a couple of verses and, and then like pull your hair out trying to look up the Greek and the Hebrew and blah, 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 blah. Just sit down, read for 20 minutes, see how far you get, and then take away what was the main point that I was seeing in that whole thing that I just read and keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that and keep taking the main point um and if you don't understand what you just read keep going unless you're a gross weird person you don't admire someone by examining their eyebrows <laughs> over several months you look at them as a whole person um and this is what we should do with God I think uh, how many of us have just read the whole Bible, just read it through multiple times until you have a very good handle on the whole picture of it. I can't say that that's true for me, but how many of us have started in Matthew and read through Matthew chapter 1, you know, 15 times throughout our lives because we have to go back and understand what verse 3 really was trying to say. So basically, forget this little tiny verse by verse thing unless you're unless you're really trying to research something specific I would say just read a chunk and then say what does this tell me about God and I think it will be much much better for you to look on the box Winston and see the Japanese garden okay let me know what you guys think email me adventistmillennial at gmail.com hit me up on Instagram which by the way guys I'm working on something really fun for that. I hope it turns out good. So check in on Instagram. Check out the Facebook and the YouTube pages for funny videos coming at you. And if you feel so inclined, give a little five-star review on iTunes because, you know, as a creative, I have to be affirmed in order to continue my creativity or I will get depressed and go and live in a cabin and drink myself to death as most artists end up doing okay so just give me a five-star review so i don't end up dead in an alley somewhere have a great weekend see you guys later